I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. In the fall sometime between 9.30 and 10.30 p.m., I had just finished spotlighting for deer. I returned home and decided to look for my friends, who were hanging out by the old water company. When I found them, 
They excitedly told me they had just seen the creature. They explained that they had spotted it after hearing a strange noise, and when they shone their spotlight in that direction, they saw the creature standing by a telephone pole. Once again, this wolf-like creature was upright on two legs. It quickly darted into the woods, disappearing from their view, and they didn't encounter it again. The following day, we decided to investigate further. We used a measuring tape to measure from the ground to where the creature's head had been, just below a spike in the pole, and it measured a staggering seven feet. The Mercer County area had been a known hotspot for dogman sightings since the 1960s, with many reports originating from the Shenango Reservoir vicinity. I shared this report with CUE. In 2011, following a meeting of MAPS, Mysteries and Paranormal Society. During that meeting, I also described a series of other dogman reports that I had personally encountered in the 1990s. I was out for a walk with my daughter and our dog in the evening, near a cemetery just before dark, as a thunderstorm approached. My daughter grew bored and decided to head back to the vehicle, opting to wait for me to finish the walk. While she was in the car, something astonishing happened. She saw a bipedal creature that looked like a werewolf, standing about five feet tall, with grayish fur and dark eyes emerge from the nearby bushes. This creature boldly walked around our vehicle once and then disappeared back into the bushes. The most chilling part was that it made direct eye contact with my daughter, who froze in terror. When I returned to the car, I found my daughter hysterical with fear. I could tell she wasn't lying, and I believed her. We couldn't help but wonder if the approaching thunder and electrical storm somehow served as an energy source for this mysterious creature to manifest in our world or dimension. This cemetery was on the outskirts of town, in a rural area with plenty of woods and creeks, providing a suitable habitat for such creatures. My daughter was emphatic that it was not a Bigfoot, it had a wolf-like snout. This area of Pennsylvania has a history of strange phenomena, and this encounter added to its mystique. My grandfather told me this story a couple months ago about a weird creature he encountered with his platoon in Vietnam. He said it looked like a Bigfoot but different in some way. The story begins at Cam Ranh Air Base in 1957. He arrived at the barracks and went right to bed because he knew the next day was going to be a long one. He awoke and joined his platoon. They started their patrol through the jungle when they found an injured ARVN soldier next to a tree. My grandpa asked him what had happened and the ARVN responded it's still near, get away from here my grandpa was confused and didn't think anything of it. They put the ARVN on a stretcher and sent him back to base. They continued their patrol and everything was normal for a couple hour until they heard a loud deep scream type sound. They rushed toward it guns at the ready. They cut through the brush into a clearing and saw a seven foot tall hairy creature gnawing on bones. One of the men started to shoot at it, bad idea, the creature lunged toward him and flung him into the air. The soldier crashed to the ground and screamed. The creature grabbed the man and bit into his legs. The other men started shooting at this thing. It yelped and dropped the man. The creature ran into the woods. A soldier ran to go help the man that was bit. 
The man's legs were gone and his spine was broken. The medic came over and put the man on a stretcher. They started their way back to base. They went about a mile before the thing came back for revenge. It zoomed out of the bushes and snatched one of the soldiers, it dragged the man into the brush. All the soldiers started sprinting down the trail. My grandpa tripped on a rock and smashed his head on the ground making him black out. He awoke the next morning with a huge gash on his head and blood all over the place. He started to get up when he heard large footsteps coming near. I later backed down and acted dead. The creature walked by him thinking he was dead. A few minutes later he got up and started walking but soon he realized he didn't know where he was. He walked down the trail for a while hoping to find someone from his platoon. He walked for hours but he eventually found a helmet. He turned it in circles and found that there was a hole through the middle. He walked a little farther and found what was left of his platoon. All the soldiers were dead but the medic was nowhere to be seen. He grabbed a gun and continued hoping to find the medic still alive. He walked for a couple miles when he began to think he was never going to find the base until he found a map. He grabbed the map and looked at it for a while. He figured out where to go and started walking. The next morning he arrived at the base. His clothes were ripped and his face was bloody. After they got him cleaned up my grandpa went looking for the medic. Eventually he found the medic in a tent. One of his arms was gone and he had scratches all over. What happened my grandpa asked. The medic responded with I ran and ran with that man on my back until I collapsed and a patrol found me my grandpa went and asked to go home that day. My grandpa was changed by this. He has been going to therapy since. I've asked around and no one seems to know what that thing was and my only explanation was Bigfoot. To start off my name is Marshall. I started my job as a park ranger a little around 6 months ago. I got this job fairly quickly because the other rangers quit 10 months in. I thought it was very odd but the pay was nice and I've always loved nature and animals so I thought this would be the right job for me. For the first 2 months nothing really happened. It was the middle of summer so besides the annoying buzzing mosquitoes and the restless spiders that would somehow build a full spider web overnight around my jeep, everything was normal. On the third month was when things started to get weird. We've gotten reports of hikers gone missing without a trace and stories from campers who talk about hearing weird wailing deep in the woods at night. We thought it to be no more than just a few kids goofing off in the woods or hikers who just wandered off the trail eventually to be found later. But it wasn't that straightforward. It all took a turn for the worst when I got a call about another missing hiker. This time it was close by my cabin so naturally I was selected to go check it out. I planned to walk about 8 miles into the woods so I packed the essentials and began my trek at 14. It was around the fourth mile I started to see what I had assumed happened. I found the tracks of the hiker but one mile behind him were tracks of what looked to be of a very large feline-like animal. Except this thing's paw was bigger and wider than my foot and I wear a size 17. I also noticed the impression it had left in the dirt. It barely left one at all. Not only was this thing big it was stealthy. I walked around more but I found that the beast's tracks had disappeared. I looked around for more but to my shock I found claw marks scaling up a very large tree. 
This is something that I have never encountered before. This thing was big large stealthy and could scale a tree in one bound. From the looks of it. I was horrified to say the least so I unpacked my hunting rifle loaded around and started walking again. Eventually I came upon the hiker's body and man this thing was barely recognizable. I assumed it to be a male no older than 26. It was shredded to ribbons, the arms and legs had been gnawed off sloppy and he had deep claw marks from his collarbone to his pelvis. Through the gashes in his chest I could see that some of his vital organs were missing. I couldn't even stomach to look at his face, his nose was gone and his bottom jaw had been torn off. If he had any expression on his face before he went. I can 100% guarantee you that it was pain and fear. This person had suffered a death so gruesome that couldn't even imagine how much pain he was in while his last breath escaped his body. I radioed dispatch and told them my location and decided to stick next to the body. Just in case any predator tried to drag it off. Dispatch was about 45 minutes away from my location to collect the corpse but it was getting dark and fast for those who haven't been in a forest before. The darkness is otherworldly compared to an area with few trees I wanted to stay with the body I really did but about 10 minutes I heard a noise in the bushes but when I turned I saw nothing. But that was when a drop came down on my head I thought it was rain but when I pulled out my flashlight to see what it was it was, and it was crimson red blood. I pointed my shaking flashlight hand to the top of the trees and my light landed right on it. I don't know what it was but this thing was massive. It had the head of a lion without the mane with blood around its mouth. The body of a tiger with a solid black body ripped like a professional athlete but no stripes. And the glowing yellow eyes that reflected its lust for blood of a panther and the paws that would make a bear's paw look like minuscule. This thing had to be about 6 feet tall on all fours and about 340 pounds of solid muscle. It let out a roar that was a mix of a tiger and a jaguar expect it was deeper and echoed throughout. While forest shaking me to the core and making my soul almost leave my body. I knew that no matter what god I prayed to it wouldn't help against this thing. This thing was primal, fierce and from what I had to guess had been stalking this territory for decades. Right when it was about to pounce on me, the helicopter showed up with a spotlight and flashed it down on me. As fast as the beast appeared it disappeared without a trace. I was so terrified by the experience I blacked out on the spot. I woke up in my cabin with my boss next to me bedside. He asked me what happened and I told him what I saw. As I was telling him my story I saw a slight expression of fear on his face. But after my story he told me I must have hallucinated the whole event due to the shock of seeing such gore and passed out due to the lack of an overactive imagination. He quickly changed the subject and told me to get some rest and gave me the rest of the week off. On the third month nothing really happened but I started to notice every time I went for expedition or my own hike I would get the feeling of eyes watching me from the top of the trees. Or something following behind me matching my steps. I started carrying a desert eagle with me but if it was the creature I had seen last month I knew it would be as effective as shooting it with a pellet gun. The next month on a Monday night I awoke to my radio buzzing. It was my boss he had told me that he'd received a call from some campers who strayed too far into the forest and had started to hear wailing in the woods. 
I thought it to be kids just messing around so I took the job and got in my job and was on my way. When I arrived at the campsite it was a horror show. The tents looked to be destroyed by sheer force and the camper's car looked to be destroyed by trauma that could only be accomplished by being t-boned by car going 90 in a school zone. But the worst part is I found the campers. Their body parts were all over the campsite and blood stained every area. Knowing better this time I bought a shotgun and loaded it with nothing but buckshot, I put my headlamp on and started searching the area for what could have caused such devastation in such a short amount of time. From my investigation I found footprints of what looked to be of human origin. I followed them thinking that it would be a surviving camper but as I followed them they shifted from human to bear. I started to think that the survivor was mauled by bear I hurried my pace and I saw a man. I nearly yelled for him but something stopped me instead I took cover behind a tree. Turned off my headlamp and studied the man I found. He was illuminated by moonlight but from what I could see he was tall. Very tall he looked to be about 7 foot tall. He had long arms, long hair and long legs. He had an athletic build. His hair was very long and dark reaching to the middle of his back and he wore a bare skin coat. He turned back somehow knowing he was being studied but by a blink of an eye he missed me. He turned back around and started walking. I followed him wanting to know if he was with the campers. He took about 10 steps before something started happening to him. He doubled over on his hands and knees and sounded to be in pain. I wanted to rush over to help him but before I could he let out a otherworldly roar. He slowly shifted from human to a gigantic monstrous bear. He looked to have grown to 9 feet and sported a scar on his face. He was the size of a SUV and had red eyes that glowed in the night. Faster than anything I've ever seen he took off deeper into the forest running over tree as if he was a bulldozer running through cardboard. My hair was racing and I was pale as a snow. I didn't move until it was sunrise and then I booked it back to my cabin and notified my boss about what happened. I didn't tell him the part about the man bear. Instead I told him that a bear had mauled the campers. He accepted my report and I sat on my bed the rest of the day thinking about what I have gotten myself into. It's the sixth month and it might be my last month alive. I'm in my cabin all my furniture against my door while an angry creature is trying to get in. I have nothing but my shotgun and a few rations to last me but from the looks of it I might not make it though the night. If I survive I'll be sure to post more about my job but for now the thing at my door has broken through my dresser and my couch won't hold it back for long. September 1993. One night, several of my Marine Corps infantry platoons were doing some training exercises just outside of our base camp. As we all sat around the fire pit right after dinner, one of my men looked out into the darkness and, claiming to see a shadow moving in the trees only 50 feet away from us, he watched it for a while before safely turning back and asking me if I had noticed anything strange. Myself, I had not. The next day, we came back and searched that area looking for anything but found nothing unusual at all. However, on the third day, we went back, and one of our members was walking along when he realized there was something behind him. He turned around quickly only to find nobody was there. At this point, everybody had begun wondering what it could be. 
It couldn't be seen at all, but they could feel its presence. One night later on, after the previous events had taken place, I was walking around with one of my other Marines, discussing how strange this thing was when all of a sudden, we realized that whatever it was that was following us earlier had now begun to walk parallel with me. I dropped one knee quickly and let loose two quick shots into the darkness, hoping to scare off whatever it was for good. But whatever it was didn't move or flinch, it just kept walking like nothing happened. At this point, none of us were too scared, though, so any feelings of fright were now pushed back down below conscious thoughts. As we walked back towards the main camp compound, we never could figure out what it was. But I still think about it once in a while. I hope one day we can solve the mystery surrounding this black apparition that walked with us on our training exercises ever so silently. I know what a bear looks like. Especially when they stand on their hind legs. This thing was far from anything considered normal. Well, in order to comprehend what I've been through, I'm going to have to go back to when I was 17 years old. Four years ago in the middle of spring, I was on my break from school doing nothing productive like any teenager, but to my excitement I was invited to venture to the Sierra Nevada mountains alongside my grandfather and Uncle Tom. And so I agreed and the very next day we took to the mountains. An hour into the trip and I am not the least bit bored because I was gazing through the lens of my camera, taking hundreds of photos of the tree-covered mountains. We arrived in the Wishon Reservoir about 78 miles away from Fresno. We stopped by the dam for a quick bathroom break. As I went to use the restroom I noticed there were some attached portrait photos of random individuals displayed upon a large pin board before the bathroom door. About 10 or more photos were pinned there and they all looked new. I never really liked looking at those faces. Faces of people who had a life before being stolen by some sick people. Before we left, I remember the last few words my mother spoke of. She said something like, you stick close to grandpa and uncle Tom no matter what. You boys better keep an eye on my baby boy, that was always the case with my mother whenever I go out to the wilderness. She had always been uneasy about the forests. Bad hiking trip, manual, grandpa tells me when I asked that day, not caring to put much detail in that story. The most I heard from that story was that a hog got a good bite off my mother's leg when she was just 8 years old. But I always speculated if there was something bigger behind that tale. At the time there was nothing to be afraid of, besides, we were packing some serious heat. We carried 4 of revolvers, 2 12-gauge shotguns, and a well-preserved, World War II Russian rifle, the Mosin Nagant. A weapon I have always dreamt of using. Around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, we are driving on this mountain and Grandpa makes a left turn into this ancient, dirt road. Eventually, we arrive at this partially open field with a few trees and rocks poking out. We parked close to the only exit, unpacked all of our gear and set them out. From there I analyzed the vastness of the field. The field space took up about 30 yards long and less than 50 feet. Wide, meeting a north, downward slope guarded with skin-piercing bushes. But around the end looks to be a hidden footpath leading into the forest. Beyond this ground is nothing more, but pine trees surrounding every inch of this field. 
It gave off this ancient look. In fact, that entire land is a private area owned by the state itself. This land was not to be touched at all, otherwise we would suffer from heavy fines. As soon as Grandpa told me this, I got a little worried, but Grandpa was there to remind me that everything was going to be alright. He always had a way of calming me down. He was good at that. For the rest of the afternoon we spent it eating before embarking on a hike through the slope. The slope was not difficult to pass through for there plenty of spaces left for us to walk. The hike turned out incredible. I got to take many pictures out of the forest. But while we were returning to our camp, I was following behind due to my attention being on the beauty of the wild, I found some footprints that closely resemble a human's foot, but bigger. The footprints were too big to be a human's foot, yet it resembled to a human's too well. The next imprint spaced between 7 feet apart. Now I was about to take the picture, but I got the feeling that something was watching me, and it's close. From what I saw, there was nothing around my perimeter, yet its presence was strong. I didn't want to stick around any longer so I caught up with the guys. Soon the sun began to lower itself down the peak of the mountains, darkness began to creep its way before the moon. We had to start a fire for light. The rest of our time was spent bonding over telling funny stories of my family and learning the basics of holding a gun. They gave me this tiny revolver while they got to use the rest. Small, yes, but it does offer a strong grip. By the time the moon arrived, the forest was already consumed by the night. The male crickets stridulate their wings for their female counterparts and the entire black sky was blanketed with stars. It was truly a beautiful night and the right way to relieve stress. It was now 9 p.m., and we were all chilling out in the cool air. Uncle Tom was out smoking a joint in the blackness of the trees, while Grandpa and I sat separated around the campfire gazing up in the stars. Some time passed and Grandpa asked me a question that I will forever change my life. Manuel, what do you know about Bigfoot? From there on, Grandpa tells me the true story of my mother's horrific incident she received as a child. Somewhere down south in these similar woods, my then mid-aged grandfather took his wife, at the time, and my toddler mother out for a hike. Everything was going swell until the next day of their arrival, the family went out for a nice hike and something attempted to abduct my mother when there was no supervision around, but to my relief Grandpa reacted fast. I hear your mother's scream coming from the trees. I tell Maria to stay put while I run into the woods. I ended up coming to a clear enough opening where I got a chance to see who took my daughter. About 40 yards away from me, I see this thing dragging little Rosie across the forest. It looked like some kind of ape with reddish-brown hair all over its body, but it looked huge. Looked to be about 8 feet or higher and it was fast, real fast. With the little time I had left, I drew my special revolver. The most powerful handgun in the word. I take aim and I fire. You wasted him? I asked with great intentions. No it lived. But I hit it alright. I hit that thing three times and the thing let out this horrible shriek of pain. It was so loud, so vigorous, I swear I fell on my ass when I heard that scream. The thing ran off looking injured. I never saw it again. What happened to mom, was she okay? Nah. Her right was bent out of place, she couldn't walk no more. 
Apparently, that thing pulled Rosie's leg so hard it snapped the leg out of place. Thank God she was strong enough to bear the pain, just not enough afterwards. What do you mean? Your mother became mute for three years straight and she became very nervous whenever she was alone. Hell, she even gets nervous around places with lots of trees. Damn. Yeah, it took her three years to finally utter some words. We were so happy that we got to hear her voice again. How exactly did she get taken? I don't know. I tried asking how it happened and she says she saw a red light flying around the trees and when it got close to her, the thing popped out and grabbed her. Lights that turn into Sasquatch, that's a little hard to take in. Well you don't have to take my word for it. I don't know how else to explain it for you. So you could go ahead and ask your mother what happened. You think she'll tell me everything? I don't know, Manuel. That was a very traumatic thing she went through. Alright. It's not that I don't believe you, I believe you, it's just hard to process this. Same can be said for anybody who's seen what I've seen. Everyone is safe in their tightly knit together life until they run into them. And just by one glance at these things, all your comprehensions in life are shattered. Not completely, but your views in politics and religion are challenged and maybe that's a good thing. You gotta keep an open mind to stuff like this. Does Uncle Tom know any of this? No. I haven't told him. Besides, he's always skeptical about this kind of subject. He firmly believes that Bigfoot is just a hoax. So nothing will change his mind about it? Unless there's physical proof. Damn. A moment of silence had occurred between us, until Grandpa got up and headed for the tent. I'm gonna head to bed. You coming? Asked Grandpa. After that, we put out the fire and all the lanterns and went to sleep in our tents. To be unbothered for now. Around 10.09 PM, we all slept in our tents that night, with enough room to store in three people, but Uncle Tom preferred to sleep on his own. His tent was set a few feet from us, but was still close enough to hear. I could not sleep that night because I was contemplating Grandpa's Bigfoot philosophy. All those broken branches and footprints, that could definitely be a Sasquatch. And then it suddenly hit me that I should have told the guys what I saw. I thought, I will tell them what I saw tomorrow. Besides, the imprints looked a few days old. But that was even more discomforting considering there is something unknown to most people is lurking about. Eventually, I slept on my air-blown bed for a few hours before I would reawake again at 2.20am. I did not know why I woke up. I didn't feel like taking a piss or anything, but then I listened. It was quiet, too quiet. The bugs have stopped chirping, the trees held still for a questionable amount of time, and not a breath of air was emitted anywhere. I had every right to be concerned now. Hey Manuel, you awake? Whispered Grandpa. From his foldable bed, he slowly switches sides to face me. From the expression on his wrinkled, brown face he looked just as alert as I was. Yeah, I replied. Can you hear anything? No. We stayed there tuning in on the environment for about a minute. Grandpa then asked, you remember that gun I gave you? Yeah, it's in my bag. Get your hands on it, but don't shoot yet. Without hesitation, I reached in my bag for whipped out the little weapon, hands slightly shaking. 
Grandpa does the same but pulls out a large S and W revolver that completely dwarfed my pistol by comparison. Then we heard Uncle Tom's tent open and his footsteps nearing our position. Guys, it's me. Open up, he whispered. And so I unzipped the tent and he checked his surroundings before he spoke. Did any of you guys hear the breathing? Yeah, I did. That thing was going on for like five minutes, exclaimed Grandpa. Immediately I felt dread when I heard that phrase. Wait, I just woke up. There was breathing? Oh, man. Who would want to mess with us? I begged my grandpa. I don't know, but don't freak out. It might be mountain folks or some large animal. Now Tommy, did you see anything out there? There's nothing, it's completely mute out there. But I did find some tray. From right he was about to finish. A small object hit his back as if someone threw it at him. Uncle Tom cursed when he picked it up. Dude, are you okay? I asked, no, someone threw this rock at me, shouted Uncle Tom, who was met with anger, confusion and a little hint of fear. Grandpa orders me to pull out every electric lantern we had and set them everywhere. With what little light the moon provided us, our lantern's brightness made half of our campground seeable but we still didn't have a clue of who threw that rock. We checked every corner while we can until, all of a sudden we heard another thud coming from our north. A rock that could oversize a human hand visually, was lying just a few inches away from the slope. When all of our lights met the slope, I was completely dread the second I realized what it could really be. The three of us slowly advanced to the slope's entry, anticipating for the better, or the worst. We approached the slope and spotted nothing with our beams of light. Nothing but dirt, pine needles, and bushes. Grandpa, with his finger itching on the trigger of his gun, decided to call out the trespassers. Who's that stumbling in the dark? No responses, just the ever-deafening of the forest. This was it, I thought, we have this thing surrounded. Surely, it would run away, by now. Just as I was shining around the dark, I spotted something unusual on the ground. On the dirt, there was a pile of rocks and next to them is the ground compressed by unknown weight, but when I focused on that spot a little more I thought I saw a mottled outline of what appeared to be legs crouching down, all there but transparent. Suddenly, the invisible figure got up and ran away from us, it shook us all so bad we shot at point-blank range. It was gone now, but not for long. Grandpa demanded us to get to the car and we started hauling ass, but just before we got inside, all the lanterns started blinking on their own. This just encouraged us more to move. We got inside and Grandpa took off to the exit, regardless of all the gear we left behind. Luckily, the rest of our rifles were located in the back. Uncle Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com 
is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Tom asks for a rifle, so without deciding... I chose the Mosin Nagant, loaded, and passed it to him. Just as I was scanning my environment for that damn creature, the car pulled up to a stop all of a sudden, just before this path met the grey road to civilization. Dad, what the hell happened? Desperately asked Uncle Tom. I don't know, it just died, cried Grandpa as I saw him desperately trying to turn the car on. Before us in the front of our vehicle came this blinding orb of reddish-white light, with a synthesized sound wave coming from the very orb. The orb began to transform into a large, oval-shaped disc forcing us to cover our eyes from the brightness. Finally the light darkened, but a hulking figure walked its way through the disc and the portal closed instantly just as he landed. I couldn't believe it. It was a Sasquatch, standing before us. The creature stood upright to about 8 feet tall and engulfed in dense, dark brown hair, save for the hands, face and chest. He was in great physical condition, and yes, I know it was a male, you can tell by seeing his chest. Not only was it jacked, it carried three aged bullet wounds and old scars too big for a bear to make. He had no neck and his skull structure was large and sort of narrow and his face carried a mix of ape and human features, with a beard outlined across his face. His eyes though, presented vibrant red piercing through the dark. Too stunned to move, Grandpa gathered every bit of breath and yelled, Run! We did so and dashed back to the campground with nowhere else to go and the Sasquatch repeating his deep yelps and hoots, but as we ran I heard the screams of my grandfather along with a series of strong snaps and cracks of metal. I cared, but not for the moment. I catch up with Uncle Tom catching his breath. I didn't know what to do or where to go, but Uncle Tom utters his last few words. Manual. Hide. Get yourself out of here. I'm gonna distract him, he demanded, but his eyes carried much sadness and fear. No. Not without you. Just go. I did what I was told, even if it was the hardest thing to do. I hid myself down the same slope, but hid myself deep in the trees, opposite the direction of the trail, and from there I waited, listening to Uncle Tom's last seconds. I hear his stumps approaching the campground and it was met with a loud bang coming from the rifle Uncle Tom used. I couldn't hear anything else after the bang, but slightly muffled screams were the last things I heard before I felt a strong and short vibration underneath me. I waited there forever, not for my ears to recover but afraid if it was still out there. I would feel some more vibrations coming from the beast, but he never seemed to get close to me. Eventually, there was no more walking I had forced myself to see.
I peek my head over the slope and find nothing but the lifeless body of my uncle and the rifle lying next to him. When I examined him closer I found him lying flat on the ground, limbs apart, my uncle's chest was caved in with bones from his rib cage poking out from the sides, blood drooling out of his mouth and chest and his left eye popped out of his socket, hanging alongside his face like a thread. Tears prevailed over my will not to cry. I only cried for a brief moment, before getting back up. I took the rifle with me back down the only exit, where the jeep lay ahead inanimate, with the front door open and blood smear and splattered all across the interiors. I found grandpa's entire body shoved underneath the missing steer wheel with his bald head and arms sticking out, combined with his frightful expressions of pain written all over his face and small puddle of blood in the front seat. I refused to cry once more and ran on the road to civilization. Descending down from that mountain seemed like an eternal nightmare for me. I was clueless as to what to do, and where to go. All I knew was the path we came from. But it didn't take long for the beast to find me again. He began taunting me with his alarming yelps and hoots. There was nothing to see but shadows and trees I had no idea where to shoot. So I fired in point-blank range in all my surroundings. My ears go deaf momentarily, but I still shoot, cursing at the creature to just take me on now. Get it over with already. Soon the violence ended when I noticed a speck of light coming from down the road. I didn't know if I should trust this light knowing what it might be, but thankfully it was just a car, I could even hear the engine. Relieved but still under stress, I ran towards the cars to meet the patrollers and have them take me away. After that night, I was sent to the hospital and I was met by two nameless men in business suits. They ordered me not to tell anyone the truth of what transpired that night, only to identify the creature as a bear. Naturally, I got pissed and argued with them, but they won with intimidation. Four years have passed, and my road to recovery still goes on. I am no longer dependent on drugs or afraid of my shadows, but I still shiver in slight fright whenever I see a great herd of trees. To this day I haven't opened up about the night with anyone, but my mother, until now. Eventually, the abductions began to slow down shortly after a year, but reported sightings of an evasive humanoid remain strong in Sierra Nevada. I don't know when I'll get back up in those mountains, but when I do, that thing better be ready for me. Because when I come by and I find him, I will not hold back. I live near London, UK and Surrey. I once had a neighbor who had been a convicted bank robber. He'd spent a lot of time in prison over the years. Often in high security jails, he was forced to wear what were known as patches, which meant high visibility clothing to try and prevent escape. He told me this story one night and it's always stayed with me. During one of his many incarcerations spent at Her Majesty's pleasure in the 1970s, his cellmate was a practicing Satanist. They got to talking about his beliefs one night and the Satanist said he wanted to show my neighbor something. He said, I'm going to raise something from the other side, but don't stare at it. Stay still, take a look for a second or two, then look away. He drew something in chalk on the cell floor, chanted something, and built a small fire with a few matches. My friend said he saw a small figure composed of the smoke manifest from the fire, 
move around the floor for a few seconds as if it had weight or mass. Then it dissipates. It totally freaked him out and he wasn't a man that would scare easily. He said he trod carefully around his cellmate from then on and was quite relieved when his sentence came to an end. Back in 1992, we lived near Palm Springs, California. At the time, our kids were in karate classes. Their instructor and I would converse now and then. I told him about my beliefs in the paranormal and UFOs. One evening he said, man, you should meet my brother. You and him would get along great and he could tell you some stuff too. So his brother and I talked on the phone. But he was hesitant to talk much on the phone but said he'd be happy to meet in person at his brother's house. As it ended up he was a retired military service veteran who was stationed at the infamous Groom Lake. As his story goes, one night at the tavern, one of his co-workers lost it. He started rambling on about aliens, vehicles, and technology being applied. He tried to hush his partner up and before he knew it the senior level MP and man in black came in and escorted his partner out. That was the last time he ever saw him again. So let's just say this. It's all really going down, man. I have no reason to doubt the instructor's brother especially because of the way we met. My girlfriend's father-in-law told me a story. He was roofing a house on Vancouver Island near a fish hatchery on the Cowichan River. He was with some native guys. Every night before dark they would leave early. They didn't want to be around when Sasquatch came to fish on the river. It will chuck rocks at you. He knew a native woman on the island who was willing to share her stories from her youth and her tribe. She said the tribe has a secret society of women singers. Part of the initiation ritual is for the new singer to go into the longhouse and fast for a spirit vision. This is done to learn what animal will be your sacred spirit for your singing. She was starving and crying because of her hunger. Then she heard something jump down onto the roof of the longhouse. She heard it walk along the smoke hole. She looked up and a Sasquatch was looking down at her. It then lowered a freshly killed deer down through the smoke hole dropped it by the fire, and left. So her spirit became the Sasquatch. The native woman, who I will not name nor her tribe, lived along the Shimanus River as a child. She remembers the Sasquatch would run beside their house and bang on with its hand scaring everyone. Her uncle also saw one on the Nanaimo River. She thinks they come down out of the mountains when the water runs low up there in late summer and also to fish when the runs are going on. She says her sister now hears them in her yard at night. They bang on the ground and make this big pounding noise. This all started after her tribe was given permission to begin logging on their land. Last year, my girlfriend and I were camping at Sasquatch Provincial Park, and on the first night about 3 am. I got up to relieve myself. I got back in the tent and I heard a distinct two-tone call way off in the distance, followed by answering calls of at least two more. One was mid-distance and one on the mountain right above our campsite. This went on for 40 minutes. We had declared a no-phones campout, so I was not carrying any equipment. I woke my girlfriend and we listened to it. It was like they were letting each other know they were there. I jokingly called it a Sasquatch roll call. 
We later listened to tons of wildlife calls and the only thing that matched was from John Bindernagel's investigation of mysterious calls in a native community up Vancouver Island. The kids in the campsite beside us started mimicking it. I got up, banged on a tree with a stick, and it stopped. My native friend told me you got the knock wrong. I've heard from other natives that tree banging is a bad idea as it's a territorial signal so I may not do that anymore. It sounds legit to me. I commute for my job. It's a retail job, but I live in a rural area in the Southern California foothills and it is currently my only option. I drive home every night near 1am. I take the highway. It's always deserted at these times and some nights were more peculiar than others, but nothing so extreme as this incident. It's not uncommon for me to see a lot of wildlife on these drives. I would just take it slow and be alert. Occasionally I'd see a black-tailed deer, coyotes, raccoons, etc. One recent night I was only about 10 minutes away from home. I rolled up to the usual four-way stop that I had stopped at hundreds of times before. Not a soul around. As I came to a complete stop I saw something standing just off the side of the road across from the intersection. It was obviously an animal and it was headed toward the road, so I was going to wait for it to cross. It took me a second to really comprehend what it was at first. I thought it was a horse which, although dangerous, wouldn't be that uncommon for where I live due to irresponsible ranchers and their constantly broken fences. Then, as I started to be able to make out more of what it was as it neared the light from my headlights, I realized something was very wrong with this animal. It was tall. So much so that the legs looked stilt-like. As I sat there shocked it slowly stepped into the road and came across my car's direct beam of my headlight. At this point, I realized two things. One, it was much taller than my car. Its height was monstrous. Two, its gait was very odd, almost like it didn't know how to properly walk as a deer should. It was like all of its joints wanted to bend the wrong way. It moved slowly into the oncoming lane and then swiveled its head to look back at me. All of the hair on my body rose. What spooked me the most was that this was certainly a deer or at least something that looked like one. It looked normal in every way except the spider-like legs it was standing on. At this point I gasped it and then the deer stood unmoving as my car sped past by. I looked back in my rearview mirror and caught a glimpse of it crossing the oncoming lane back into the shoulder of the highway, illuminated red by my brake lights. When I got home I ran into my house and locked myself in. I'm still understandably freaked out. I should share my story about the Menehune. It was 1998 in Maui, Hawaii and I was headed to the hotel in a shuttle service and saw this little dude sitting on a fence wire. I had to check and recheck what I was seeing, but sure as summer this little dude was just sitting with his legs dangling. As we got closer he morphed into a plastic bag stuck on the barb. I saw him a couple of more times around the island and my wife actually thought I wasn't crazy. One day in a gift shop I saw a keychain with a little figurine that was the dude. All excited I picked it up and yelled to my wife across the store, it's him, it's him. The elder native that was working asked me, have you seen him? I responded, 
Yes sir, several times since I got here last week, he said they were blessing my journey and reason for coming to the island and, that I was a very special and a lucky person. After talking for a little while he decided to share with me a local custom. He said kind of vaguely, drive up the coast. You'll know when you get there. The next morning my wife and I got up and took off on a drive up the coast to a destination we didn't know. As we drove and drove I wondered where I was driving to. Did I pass it? When we came around a corner and on the ocean side of the road there is a meadow and a grotto. The energy present was very nice and I slammed on the brakes and shouted, this is it. We parked and walked into the field, the earth felt hallowed. It felt like you should not get off the path. As we walked in we began seeing, in various sizes, stones that have been stacked in a little monolithic style. You know, like at the river when someone stacks up a few river rocks and makes a statue. Still in awe at how many, probably hundreds of, stacks were all over a very large area of rolling hills. As we walked along we came to a spot that had a bunch of rocks laying in a circle that had not yet been stacked up. We walked around and all the way to the end of the trail. There was only one circle of rocks and hundreds of stacks. I knew what the circle of rocks was for. We went back and I made my own miniature stone megalithic. As I built it I could hear them gathered around but never saw them again. Oh, the night before we went to the gift shop we conceived our firstborn son after a year or so of fertility issues. That's my story about the Menehune. I'm an American veteran who retired after 23 years of active federal military service. Back in the late 1980s and early 1990s, I was a non-commissioned officer stationed in upstate New York. On the back side of this base, Fort Drum, former Griffiths Air Force Base, Lawn, was a nuclear storage area. This was right next to hundreds of acres of heavily wooded area. I used to work in the tower of the storage area where I controlled all the alarms and cameras. Being a nuclear storage area there are a ton of alarms in the ground that pick up someone or something walking on the fences, picking up any vibrations. There are cameras attached to each alarm. Cameras covered every inch of the area. The first time I saw a Sasquatch I nearly messed my pants. I was being trained as a tower operator when we received an alarm from the backside of the facility fence line. The corresponding camera came up and there was a hand on the fence and the Sasquatch looking straight up at the camera. The sergeant that was training me looked at the camera and with no excitement at all reset the alarm and went back to what he was doing. I asked him what that was and if we were going to do anything about it. He looked me dead serious and said, I'm pretty sure that I don't need to tell you what it was and, no, we aren't going to do anything about it. I was blown away. I came to find out that this happens all the time and no one does anything. The first day I was certified as a tower operator and working by myself I received the same alarm. It was the same exact scenario but I did dispatch security to the area. They arrived and could find absolutely nothing. Later that evening I received an alarm at one of the doors inside the storage area and there it was staring up at the camera. That means that somehow it got through the ground alarms and the fence alarms without setting anything off. It was banging on a door of the bunker housing nuclear weapons. Again I dispatched security and they found nothing. 
Each night we have a log that we write explaining all the events of the evening. We turn it into our command. I wrote exactly what happened and turned it in at the end of the shift. I wasn't home for an hour when my phone rang. It was my commander telling me that I needed to come back in. I was made to change my report deleting any references to alarms and SAS watches. Apparently, they know about these things and don't do anything about it. I've also seen them just appear out of nowhere. They also have some ability to make you feel sick and I think it has to do with their young ones. I think that the young ones might not have mastered some of their abilities, letting themselves be seen. This is all true. These creatures are real and have abilities beyond our understanding. The government knows about them, without a doubt, and still denies their existence. They are so confident in their deception of the American people that they never even made me sign an NDA. I live in Illinois, Fulton County, Illinois near Pekin. This is a legit sighting I had on October 25, 2017. We were walking through a trail in the woods at 10 at night. While walking through we heard a weird screeching sound. Almost like a tree squeaking which is what we thought it was because we were in the woods but it was everywhere we went in the woods it was squeaking. Then we left and came back into the woods on the same trail but it was there on the side of the trail crouched down facing us staring at us. It wasn't making the noise that we heard earlier though. I think it was about 5 feet tall but that's an estimate. It was crouched down. It was probably around 3 and a half feet tall. It was gray. My two friends thought it didn't have fur, though I thought it had really short fur. The arms were very human-like. It had five-fingered hands but the legs looked like frog legs. I couldn't see the feet but just the shape and direction the legs were going reminded me of a frog. I couldn't recognize what the face looked like but from what I remember it had slanted fully black eyes. The head wasn't very large compared to the body. It was around the same body proportions as a human. But the head shape was different than a human head shape. The head shape was more square with one point on each side of the head. I couldn't tell if they were ears or something else. The torso was covered up by the arms and legs so I can't really explain that but it looked muscular, unlike the alien pictures you see online where they are very skinny like all bones. Its arms were very defined and a little muscular. It tilted its head and stared at us almost like it was in alarm or frozen and didn't make a sound. And we turned our back and ran, which was stupid, because we were in shock because no one knew what it was. But then when we looked back we couldn't see it. I think that by us running and the leaves crunching may have startled it. After these past six years, I'm still confused as to what we encountered that night. This occurred in central Iowa at Sailorville Lake, on the nights of December 14th and 15th, 2017. So, I was with two friends and we had a strange encounter with multiple humanoids that we saw in the woods from our car at night. We were really freaked out and were barely talking. The only reason we were there was that we had an encounter the previous night with what we thought were multiple humans watching us for multiple hours and communicating with each other by tapping on trees in some code and making noises not dissimilar to screeches. These noises coincided when a light turned on and at one point we stopped hearing them for almost 30 minutes. 
So we called a friend, and while my friend that called was whispering on the phone we heard the communication again and whispered for him to hang up immediately. As we said that the noise stopped before he even hung up or pulled the phone from his face. We also saw multiple silhouettes walking away through the trees. We were checking out the area again after that encounter the previous night. What we saw sent chills up and down our spines. We didn't discuss it, instead, we individually wrote down what we saw and compared it to avoid influencing each other's thoughts on what was seen. Our descriptions were all the same, with only a small discrepancy in height and different levels of detail. The height range was about 7 to 8 feet tall. My other friend thought it was just 6 feet high or so. The description that follows is the most detailed. Our friend actually got out of the car and went to the edge of the woods to listen closer, something none of us will ever do after seeing those eyes. There was more than one. They were positioned to our right, to our left, and straight ahead. Very slender, tall, hunchbacked, and brown in color. The eyes had an orange-yellow glow, almost like cat eyes that reflect in the dark, but no lights around. The movements were precise and quiet despite dry leaves everywhere. They each had two primary locations they went back and forth from, but they had more spots on their path. When I was outside the car I could hear breathing. Their footsteps mimicked mine and it only happened when I was moving or looking back to the car. They used the trees to cover the light reflection, and when we spoke all was silent. They did not walk heel to toe, but toe to heel. Really bizarre. Their breathing was heavy, through their nostrils. I have never gone back to the location, and have since moved to Texas. I doubt that my friends ever went back either. Any idea what we saw those nights? On the night of August 21, 2015, in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, I was sitting on the front porch waiting for my dogs to do their thing when all of a sudden all five dogs started barking like crazy. I've never heard them bark like that before, it's like they were ready to tear something apart. I tried to see what they were after but it was really dark that evening. Then all of a sudden this red eye appeared, looking at the dogs and me. It was across the road heading west. I mean the eye was so clear that I could see much of its detail. I ran into the house to grab a flashlight but by the time I got back out it was gone. The dogs were still on the west side of the fence barking with the same force. So I walked to the edge of the porch but I couldn't see a thing, even with the night light at the corner of the house. Then the red eye appeared again, looking at me and the dogs heading south through the small woods between me and my neighbor's house. It stood there for about 30 seconds and when I started to raise my light, the eye disappeared. To me, it looked like a lizard's eye. It didn't seem that it wanted to harm us so I didn't chase it. I've been hearing reports about Bigfoot being dropped off or taken up into spacecraft. Do you suppose that's what the alien was looking for? I have seen Bigfoot in the woods behind our house. There have been others that have seen it also. My feelings about all of this? It all started in 1970 when I was sitting in a lawn chair looking up at the stars and seeing a little bright light go from one star to another. You would not believe what I have witnessed through the years. People would say I was nuts and crazy. I don't care, I know what I have seen and heard.
I live in Sykesville, Maryland, and work in Frederick, Maryland. I travel Route 26 quite regularly. I never seen anything like what I saw on 1st December 2015. On my ride to work, I saw a bright light in the sky. At first, I thought it was just a plane, but as I continued to drive towards Frederick, I knew it was not a plane or anything I knew it to be. I passed South Carroll High School I stopped at the red light and looked slightly left or southwest to see if I could figure out what I was looking at. As I started to drive I noticed this bright light was in the shape of a teardrop, with a bright light that didn't really go with the sky canvas that morning. Which is why it really stood out. It got really bright then back to its regular brightness, what I first noticed. I also noticed below it were smaller lights that obviously were not attached to the light. They were very separate but clearly with the bright light. As I got closer to Frederick, maybe just about to Taylorsville, I noticed two helicopters on either side of the light. They were black. Very synchronized. The helicopters would go towards the light and then the light got brighter and then when they backed off a bit the light went back to its regular brightness. The two lights below were not as big as the bright light. I'd say they were as big as the helicopters. This went on for at least 30 minutes until I got right outside of Liberty Town, then they were gone. Disappeared. This happened at the same time the following three days. The only difference the helicopters didn't show up on second and third day. There were other people as well who had pulled over to see what was happening. I live in a very rural farming area of Kansas. This happened in the fall of 2007. I went for a night drive with a friend on some country roads amid cornfields. Where I live, corn stalks grow tall on both sides of the road in many places. It is a very desolate and dark area at night. There is no one around for miles and you can see the Milky Way in all its glory because there are no lights. As I was driving, we saw something resembling the cartoon character Gumby run across the dirt road lit up by our headlights. It crossed probably 10 feet in front of us. The creature was dark maroon in color and with bulbous hands and feet. No digits. It walked on two legs. It had very smooth looking skin, almost like a shark or dolphin. It didn't stop to look at us and I never felt threatened. The creature ran like it was afraid, from one cornfield, across the road to another. We didn't witness any more strange sightings that night or have any weird experiences after. Have you ever seen a maroon creature like I did? To prove I am a believer I will share something I have never shared since I'm too scared to. Summer of 1985, I and my family were camping at Mustang Island near Corpus Christi, Texas. It was 3 a.m. And I couldn't sleep. So I went for a walk on the beach. There on the jetty, I saw a pulsating light. Almost like on the edge of the gulf. At first, I thought nothing of it. Yet I felt myself start to walk towards it. As I reached the halfway mark I heard two voices start to communicate telepathically. Do not be afraid, you will not be harmed. Join us. Come with us. I turned around and went back. The next day I walked out as far on the jetty looking for any traces. There was nothing that could have emanated a light that bright. A year later I am at home in bed, once again it's 3 am. 
Only this time, they attacked me. I heard loud and human voices shrieking. I tried to scream. They held me down, scratching and clawing at me. Terrorizing me. I could see the lights casting shadows through my pillow. I broke free in terror. I still have welts on my body from the attack. Now I have a question. Do you find it hard to live with what you know?